So, I'm Isaiah, uh, Tim's out of the office, and so I hijacked the podcast. Um, so, I figured I'd ask Steve some questions about the beautiful gospel. I was recently in Bulgaria with him, and he did some sharing about the beautiful gospel, and a couple comments made me uncomfortable. Oh, good. And so, I've, I've since been talking with friends and with Tim and with others about what I think about it, what they think about it. Um, back and forth, and I guess I should get it, get comments from the source. Although it seems like maybe you're not the first person to coin the term oh, "the beautiful gospel." Like, where did all. that come from? Uh, I don't know. Many different places. Um, certainly, I heard that from my dear friend Brad Jerzak. Right. Um, but I have heard it from I don't lots know. of places. It came from elsewhere. Sure. All right. Great. So when you look on the website these days, the beautiful gospel is a term used like on our Columbia uh, journey page and other places. It, it seems like it's a big concept in your life, but it seems like it maybe hasn't always been. Were there precursors? seems like it used to be, is your yes. gospel big enough? Is yes. it amazing enough or something like that? For sure. What was it? Well, you know, I've been teaching on the kingdom of God for a long time. Okay. A long, long time. Um, since the 80s and as you know back. i speak in different cities and countries on um releasing the kingdom of god in communities and and what the kingdom means and so in that context i have very often taught people how to heal the sick i've taught them about the authority they have in christ but in my own journey that I have referred to on this podcast before, my own my own journey into the mystery of Christ, mm -hmm. which, you know, these journeys evolve. There's no starting time, but probably seven, eight years, um, has led me inevitably as I've as I've come more and more and more in touch with the beauty of the Lord, the beauty of Christ, then of course that affects my gospel. You know, I, I say to people all over the place, your revelation of the gospel can not be any bigger than your revelation of Christ. So the big question that God asked me and continues to ask me, it's like a litmus test, mm -hmm. is, is your gospel beautiful? And um, I know that the gospel has authority. We're watching it. You know, I'll probably tell some stories today. Just the last few weeks, we're watching what it does. But the, it's an authority wrapped in beauty. Hmm. So that authority is certainly relevant, but also the beauty kind of covers it. Does that, is it like looking at the authority through the lens of the beauty? Like you use the term wraps it. Or yeah, I just it, said I don't that. really understand why. Yeah, I, I said that. I, I almost could have put it the other way around. I think the foundation of the gospel is not power and authority. Okay. Um, the, the gospel worked through power and authority. Uh, Romans 1, 16, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. But the foundation is this whole movement of Christ and his creation, okay. which is uh, at its most uh, fundamental is love. 
expressed in compassion and forgiveness, and I would say beauty. Um, that's really the foundation of the gospel. Okay. Fantastic. <laughs> so um, I guess I'll jump into what made me uncomfortable about sure. your comment. And you even used the terminology today, just, just a minute ago, about my gospel. Mm. Um, and if I remember the statement correctly while we were in Bulgaria, you asked the question, how beautiful is your gospel? Yes. Um, and the response that I get from a lot of friends when I share that question is, oh, that's a problem because it's not my gospel. Ah, they should read what Paul said to the Romans. Okay. According to my gospel. Okay. Said, um, I think our gospel must be intensely personal or okay. it becomes too abstract. And I think we must know what our gospel, our good news of Jesus Christ is. And, um, yeah, so that would be my response to you. Okay. So there's two ways that I could understand that. Um, in Bulgaria, we did a lot of sharing. Jesus has done this, and I've seen this happen in my life, and that's good news. Mm -hmm. Or, and so that's one way of saying, how beautiful is your gospel? Like, how beautiful is your good news? What you have seen? Mm. Or is it more, you use the term, my revelation of the gospel. Um, and I asked Tim recently, it almost seems like you're covering a song. Like Jesus wrote a song and it's the gospel. Mm. And you sing your cover of it when you yeah, share it. Never thought of it. And it's like how his song is beautiful. Yes. And as you cover it, as you sing it, it's your gospel because you're singing it, but how, how well do you reflect that? How beautifully do you reflect that? Is that an accurate mm. understanding? I need to try to unwrap that a little bit. First of all, because you kind of put two points out there. Right. right? Number, number one is, is testimony is, uh, is very wonderful. You know, we know that um, um, we overcome by the word of our testimony. We know that the testimony of Jesus, the spirit of prophecy, uh, Revelation 19. And so, of course, I tell people uh, the things that I've seen, the mm -hmm. things that God has done. I get, you know, I don't go very many weeks without more testimonies. Um, but I'm talking more of a fundamental beauty. And, and sad to say... Evangelicalism has not always seen the gospel in a beautiful way. I think more commonly it's seen through a, uh, a legal paradigm. Okay. And that gets us into whole other issues. But, but in a legal paradigm, there's always an if-then. Mm -hmm. If we do this, then this happens. If we do this then God will do that. And for me, uh, that's not very beautiful. And I actually think it's not very accurate. Okay. Um, and if you want, we can go down that road. So the, the beauty of, of the Lord, and therefore the beauty of the gospel, in one sense can be summed up in three words in John's gospel. It is finished. Okay. That there's this 
incredible shift that took place. It, the, it is death and resurrection. And this is what I think the New Testament writers were getting at. Paul, uh, Paul goes at it again and again. Um, uh, Ephesians is classic, you know, that, that you're, he uses the metaphor, you're seated with Christ in heavenly places. We must understand that's metaphorical. But what he's saying is the, the resurrected life of Christ, you're part of that now. Mm -hmm. And that's a very beautiful gospel. Uh, a gospel that is not beautiful is a conditional gospel. If you do this, then God will do that. But he's already done it. And this is very much the gospel that I present when I'm overseas and in places where people know little or nothing of mm -hmm. the gospel. The, the incredible good news is that he has already done it. And the invitation is for us to turn toward what he's done and to turn toward him and begin to recognize um, the work of Christ, not only in us, but all around us. Okay. So you contrasted, oh, this is not a very beautiful gospel. And you side noted, it's probably not accurate. It's, a, yeah, it's, a, it's a conditional right, gospel. Conditional gospel um, <coughs> versus this is a, a more beautiful gospel. Mm -hmm. um, why are we concerned with the beauty of the gospel? Oh, because beauty is at the center of everything. Um, as Dostoevsky said, beauty will save the world. Uh, to me, and this is part of my own personal journey uh, into Christ, is recognizing Christ all around me. Um, all around me, not just in people, but even in, in, in just every aspect of life. Uh, this morning, as I was just being still with the Lord, I sat out in my backyard. It was a beautiful morning. And, and just aware of the beauty of God and the sound of running water that I heard in the, in the wind blowing in the tree behind me, in, in the, the blue sky, it is all of creation shouts the beauty of the Creator and uh, is, of course, a reflection of His beauty. So it's, it's absolutely central to me. And if you don't have a beautiful gospel, what, what are you left with? I think you're left with a largely a performance gospel. And one of the things we can slip into is we say, oh, we're saved by, we're saved by faith in the grace of God, right? Mm -hmm. Ephesians 1. But, uh, and Ephesians 3. But what we really mean is we're saved if we do the right things act the right way, believe the right way, mm -hmm. then that releases God. No, it is finished. And it's turning, as I said earlier, it's turning toward, turning into this incredible, unconditional beauty, uh, love, forgiveness, mercy, the entire direction of creation, because, of course, it reflects the Creator. Um, as we turn toward that, we begin to live in the reality that was always ours to turn right. to. It was always there. Yeah. But you get to live into and experience yeah. it. Yeah. Um, I keep harping on beauty because this is the aspect that I'm trying to understand. Sure. I see lots of rabbit trails that we could take, and I'm going to kind of keep choosing the one related mm -hmm. to beauty. Um, is the beauty of your 
a, a fair litmus test for the um, accuracy uh, or or is it a good litmus test for whether or not you're correctly portraying the gospel does that question make sense I, i'm working on it uh i i of course i presume that it is because okay. if i did not think that the the gospel as portrayed by christ um was if I didn't think it was uh, beautiful, which I do, then that would affect the way I present the gospel. Oh, sure. So, uh, yeah, I think it is the litmus test. I That's why he keeps asking me, is your gospel beautiful? beautiful. You know, I was just reading, I wish I had my Bible with me here, but I was just, just reading uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, which, of course, every believer should just live in there you know, a couple times a year. And um, we have the golden rule of uh, uh, Matthew seven twelve. you know, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And then seven thirteen, and enter by the narrow gate. Well, there's the link. I just wrote that in my Bible 20 minutes ago, link hmm. that um, the direct link of the narrow gate is not our obedience and not our it is it is moving in this unconditional love acceptance and forgiveness of christ that he calls us to the golden rule is reflected you know all over sure. the world that it then the very next verses enter by the narrow gate and we want to turn that into performance we want to say you know, whatever your list is. We all have different lists. But I think probably it's linked to 712, the the golden rule. You know, and it's separated in lots of your Bibles and in my Bible by, by heading. Mm -hmm. But those were artificially put in by the publishers. It mm -hmm. just, you just, there weren't even verse, verses back then, you know. And so it's absolutely central. It's not, oh, you know, is this okay or does it fit? But, this is the gospel, the okay. beauty of the Lord, which go back to a verse I have loved for years. And I'm, and I'm reading it a little bit out of context, but I just love it. Isaiah 33, 17, your eyes will behold the beauty of the king. And all I know is as I behold his beauty, and for me that includes spending more time in contemplation than I ever have in my life, and beholding his beauty, I begin to behold his beauty in new levels, um, in people and in all of creation around me. Mm. So to me, it's central to the gospel. And it is, um, it is challenging, isn't it? Because, because if I get, if I get perceive someone or something as anything other than beautiful, no, that's that's an overstatement. If I do not elect to see Christ in someone, okay, then I'm not then I'm not following uh, Matthew seven twelve. I'm judging, etc., etc., etc. Now that doesn't mean I, I'm not a Pollyanna. Um, I have, as you know, I have a, a strong sense of justice, and I can get really upset about injustice 
these are challenging days. So I'm not just saying, oh, everything's great. No, but I'm saying the gospel brings beauty to even the most unbeautiful situations. That makes sense. As you, and almost not that it brings, but there is beauty because of the gospel. And as you understand it, you recognize that reality yep. that you mentioned before is already there. Yep. That's not to say that that blinds us to injustice and suffering right. and pain. Yes. But what we bring with that is not you should smarten up and, you know, if you if you did this, then mm -hmm. God would do that and you'd have less pain. No, he just loves us because he loves us. And uh, it kind of goes back to what I said earlier, beginning to recognize the movement of God and uh, move into that, lean into that. Right. As I'm, as we're talking about all of this, and we're using the word beautiful, and it's so important, I start wondering how we're defining beautiful. Mm. And as I thought about how to phrase the question, I almost, it's, it's almost the question of, back to the Greeks, is pious pious because the gods are pious, or vice versa, are the gods pious because pious is pious. Similarly, the beauty of the gospel is Jesus Christ. Yes. And so does Jesus define the beauty? Or is it that he, am I making sense? Finish the sentence. What is the definition of beauty? Because mm -hmm. if he defines beauty, that's one thing. And if he just adheres to beauty. No. He okay. is, he is uh, and that's part of the Logos. You okay. know, in the beginning was the Logos. And the Logos means we we translate it because there's a, a limit to what our English language can do. So we translate in our Bibles Logos as the word. But it's more than word. It includes word, of course, but it includes concepts like... Uh, intention and initiation and movement. Um, and so Christ, who was before the beginning, uh, is beauty itself, mm -hmm. beauty himself. And so uh, he is not trying to reflect or he is not seeking to reflect the beauty of creation. He Creation reflects him. It's his beauty. And it's his beauty, yes. Yes. So it's so central. It's so primal. It's, it's, uh, um, and all, I, and here's an interesting thing, Isaiah, that as I have come more in touch with this, my gospel is gradually changing. It's still changing. And what I've seen is an incredibly, an intuitive yes when I share beautiful gospel with people that have never heard the gospel at all. There's an intuitive, I think it's because it's what we're made for, or we are made for beauty. And there is a, oh, this is it. So um, even, even the fruit of what I'm sharing to me reflects, is one of the reflections of, of the veracity of what I'm sharing. Right. Where, 
I see that people respond to it and that we are made for it. Mm-hmm. Um, is, I want to ask, is beauty the right term for it? Or is it a term that we've found that does a pretty good job of describing what seems like a grander thing that we're trying to describe with a word and we've chosen beauty? Because to me, beauty is when I look out and I see the clouds, I'm like, that's beautiful, that's pretty, and that steps down in, in majesty. But the beauty of the gospel, the beauty of Jesus, the nature of himself, seems so much grander than anything else that's ever been described as beautiful. Well, I wouldn't dispute that at all. Okay. You know, all, all language is metaphor. Mm-hmm. All language. And so we use a word that means so much more. You know, you, you talked about looking at beautiful clouds. Um, I've got my favorite place on earth is an island on the Pacific uh, off the coast of uh, British Columbia. And the sunsets are exquisite. Mm-hmm. And most nights we finish the night by going, usually it's about nine o'clock and watching the sunset. The sunset, I can look at it objectively and say, man, that's a beautiful sunset. And sometimes that's all I can do. But sometimes, suddenly, something happens. I just connect with that sunset. And it's not even just about the sunset anymore. It's just about the beauty. It's the beauty of God. It's the beauty of life. It's the, the beauty of my Jesus. It, it's, it's transcendent beyond that beauty. But what would I say? I don't have language. I say, what a beautiful sunset. It touched me deeply. Okay. But it's, uh, it's bigger than that. Okay. And some, sometimes it's just a beautiful sunset. Sure. You know. Okay. That makes sense. So now I feel like I understand the phrase better. Okay. Um, and you started by saying, God keeps asking, how beautiful is your gospel? Yes. How is he asking that? Well, he asks me that in, uh, I contemplate the gospel quite a lot because one of the things he has me doing is preaching the gospel. You know, uh, last week I was standing in front of a large group of Mexicans for three or four days and introducing them to this beautiful gospel. Um, and the week before that, I was with a, a largely Asian church in California, the beautiful gospel. A few weeks before that, I was with you in Bulgaria. Mm-hmm. So because it's what he has me doing, I spend, I pay a lot of attention to, to my own, I'll use the word evolution, even more than development. It's just change, you know, and, um, and I think, by the way, I think change is one of the many, many, many aspects of beauty. But um, because God's not static, right? We would all agree with that. I trust the universe is bigger now than when we started this interview, as I've shared before on this podcast. Um, so uh, I've kind of lost my way a little bit as I got going on all that. Um, so that's why I think a lot about the beauty of the gospel, because mm-hmm. I am responsible to share that gospel. And sometimes I share it in a lane way when I was with you in Bulgaria. Mm-hmm. 
and people just went, whoa, and, and they just opened their hearts and leaned into the reality of Christ, you know, and, and, uh, and I hope begin to see his beauty all around. Um, so that's why I give a lot of thought to this. Okay. I want to press you. Mm-hmm. Um, although I see the time and we are probably more than halfway through. Mm. And Tim puts in an ad halfway through. Mm. Um, and so what do you want to do an ad for? What do I want to what? What do you want to do an ad for? Oh, an ad. Oh, gee. <laughs> um, well, I think we should invite people to Colonia, which is in January 14, I think. 14, 12, 12, 12 through 24. 12 January. through 24. I think we should invite them. It is a new country the Lord's opened up to us. He really has. He just opened it up. We were surprised. And I think that I'd like to invite people to come. Uh, it's going to be terrific. Uh, I've been there. Uh, I did an event that I did a series of events there that surprised me at, at uh, just how God moved in such power. There was the first day I saw two blind people, their eyes open. Um, but Christina went for five days and scouted and got it all prepared. We're going to bring the gospel to people who don't know there's a beautiful gospel. We're going to bring the gospel in mercy, in practical acts of mercy. We're going to bring the gospel uh, in bringing hope to some very hopeless people. And we're going to bring the gospel um, in supernatural ways. You know, we're going to heal the sick and people are going to come to Christ. We're going to LinkedIn where we've already built relationships. Mm -hmm. So one of the beauties of this one is it's in the Western Hemisphere. Usually, like while we're talking now, my wife's in Kenya. Usually when we go overseas, everybody's got to adjust, as you remember, to the jet lag. Not if you go north-south, at least for us in North America. Right. And uh, the other interesting thing is it looks like we're going to have some Spanish-speaking people on the trip. So that's going to be fun. Two different languages and different cultures and stuff. So um, I would really encourage people, uh, when they see this, go on to our uh, website, impactnations.org. Click on Columbia and uh, come along. Christina and I, this is the last one that we're scheduled to do together. Yeah. You know, we've been raising up a lot of people to do what we do. That's happening right now for me in Africa. But um, this one we're going to do together. So you might want to come and join us. Come and join him. Mm -hmm. And he, he mentioned you can go to the website. I have to figure out how to get on the screen. Impactnations.com and then navigate to the Columbia journey. You can also just go to impactnations.com slash Columbia. And you spell it with two O's. Yep, two O's. Keeps confusing us. Slash Columbia. And that'll take you directly to the page. And you right. can register from there. So there's our commercial. There's our commercial. Go to Columbia. Very good. Join Steve and Christine. That was easy. Easy. Okay, so I want to press you. Um, you described why you spend so much time thinking about the gospel. Mm -hmm. And even maybe thinking about the beauty of mm -hmm. the gospel and mm -hmm. your gospel. Mm -hmm. But to me, thinking about something is different than being asked by God about your gospel. Okay. Do you agree? Well, so like my question is, how is he asking you? He asks me that because he speaks to me. And okay. so sometimes he has just said, is your gospel beautiful? And, um, and of course, when he asks me a question, 
that automatically creates a response. Right. And that often takes me back into um, thinking more and maybe reading more and praying more. Um, so obviously his question initiates initiates that. Um, I don't know how else to answer that. Okay, that's fair. Um, do you see... As we look at the gospel in the scriptures, mm -hmm. we can describe them as beautiful. We can look at the gospel and say that is beautiful. Mm -hmm. um, you mentioned Paul saying my gospel, mm -hmm. but I don't recall him saying my beautiful no, gospel. No, but if you look at Paul's writing, he had incredible revelation of, uh, of Christ. You know, he actually doesn't talk about Jesus that much. He talks about Christ. They're not two different people, by the way. Um, but um, that's important and becoming the, more and more. Important. That's quite important. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but but he, what he writes about him uh, is is marvelous. And and if it's marvelous, I would say it's beautiful. You know, one of my favorite Christological hymn is Colossians 1, 15 to 20. It's my very favorite. Uh, but if you go the first three chapters of Ephesians, you will just see, he doesn't use the word beauty, but there's this majestic, incredible Christ. Um, you know, uh, John in Revelation, uh, I don't even know if the word beauty ever comes up in Revelation, but his, his experience, his encounter with with Christ and he tries to put words to it and you know he's like his eyes are in fire and his hair is white as wool and there's a gold sash and he, he's trying to describe an incredible experience of beauty mm -hmm. and maybe he's describing what he the vision he actually saw maybe that's metaphor I think it's probably the vision that he saw um, to me if you look at those for example you just cannot help but see beauty and and the first ones I referenced are uh, are Paul. So without using the word beauty, he is describing a magnificent, beautiful, incredible Christ. Okay, fantastic. That gives me some clarity on the perspective Good. of it scripturally. Um, I think we still have a little bit of time. If you have time, I've got time. It's the end of my questions as I had prepared them or, or thought of them. Mm -hmm. um, but you mentioned that you might share some stories oh, and maybe some yeah. stories from recently. I've yeah. heard a lot of stories from the past years, Yeah, but you were just in India. And yeah, yeah, so, I was. You know, we had great time in Bulgaria, as, as you know, with me. Um, I wrote on a couple of highlights. Um, I purposely let others do more of the praying and stuff. Uh, because I want them to grow in it. Mm -hmm. I take people out with me, I'll model it, and I'll say, now, why don't you do that? Um, and in Bulgaria, I had a lot of kind of side meetings because we're trying to move forward with developing this house church network, and we made some great progress, by the way. Mm -hmm. But while I was there, I, I shared, uh, I wrote about a couple of things. I finally got to the last afternoon in one of the villages, and thought, oh, well, I'm going to treat myself and go out built and I came around the corner and there was 25 people sitting on a wall you've heard this story 
I said, what are you guys doing? I had a translator, of course, a wonderful man named Yuval. And um, they said, well, we're getting ready to get picked up to go to Greece to pick uh, off. And I said, I'm compressing, you know, because we had an interaction and you always have to interact. But I said, um, in the midst of that, I said, uh, can I pray a blessing? Sure. And I said, a blessing isn't just nice words. A blessing is is pulling on the reality of heaven right now so that heaven will connect right here where we mm -hmm. are. Do you want that? Oh, yeah. Da, da. You remember that word? Right, da. And, um, and then I began to tell them about the beautiful gospel. And... And they just leaned into it. And I did not realize that about 10 other people had gathered behind me as I was facing these folks sitting on the wall. And um, then when I invited them, do you want to, to open up your life to the reality of Christ in you? Uh, Paul said, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Um, do you want to say yes to him? They all went, yes. And I said, well, let's, let me lead you in a prayer. And I told them a little bit kind of what we pray. I didn't have it by rote, but I wanted them to know, is that what you want? Yeah. And then I suddenly was aware of voices behind me. And there was 35 people who prayed <laughs> and received the Lord. So that was good. And then about a half an hour later, I was walking to another part of the village. And a, a woman, probably in her late 30s, maybe 40, um, saw me, came up, said, would you Pray for my husband. He had a brain operation. It did not go well. I said, sure. Went to his to their house, and uh, he had almost no vision. He tunnel vision. He could see like looking down a tube, and he was uh, weak on his right side, his right arm, his right leg. So prayed for him. Short prayer, very short. And he opened his eyes. He started talking to her because he could suddenly see perfectly. And then he starts swinging his arm over his head and said, I couldn't do that. And then he stands up and then he does deep knee bends, which probably I couldn't do. And so he was completely healed and he was so excited. And she's laughing and crying. And the two boys, I think as I recall, they were eight and ten. Their eyes are like saucers looking at this. Later in the day, I saw him out in the village walking all over telling people what the Lord had done. So those were really good things. Uh, really good things. Um, I went from... There, I had some meetings in other parts of Bulgaria, and then I went with Christina to India. We found out that uh, things are going so well with the Brick Kids that there are five separate teams meeting in five Brick factories, Monday to Friday, that are doing after-school tutoring for all these hundreds and hundreds of kids because they've, of course, never been to school and nothing like it. And... Um, and they're doing that every day. God bless them. Just every day they go out and they teach these kids. The groups are between, I think if I remember right, 60 and 94 kids in a group. Mm -hmm. So that was wonderful. We did some planning for the new year. We have the Christmas catalog coming out, as you know, in another month. And we really want to feature getting more kids out of slavery because it's amazing. You know, we got 862 out. Their lives are completely changed. Well... That was part of why I was in India. We were doing some planning because the word has got out all over northern India. And uh, so we're trying to figure out how can we rescue 1,000 to 1,200 kids 
in the new year. And people will have a chance to participate in that at the at, with the catalog. With the Christmas catalog. Yeah. And then I had a wonderful time preaching in India. And it's just, I say it's wonderful because the presence of the Lord just came down. And we had a powerful time. Um, and then I went to uh, somewhere. San Jose. I was home for two <laughs> days and I went to San Jose with Tim and we did a we did our first ever um, first church restored weekend because um, because our host there uh, had already had me come and do an impact weekend said no no I want you to do it around this and it went better than we thought it could and then I was home for a couple of days and then I went to Mexico for five days and I had what I think might have been the best maybe the best impact weekend I've ever had. And people flew in from other parts of Mexico and I uh, shared this beautiful gospel, mm -hmm. which they received often with a lot of emotion. It was interesting. And then um, in the afternoon on Saturday, which is always our smallest session, uh, we was ready for 150 people to go out onto the streets for the first time and pray for the sick, and, you know, to strangers. And another 50 showed up and brought their own fruit to give away. So we had over 200 go out. And they prayed for several hundred people mm -hmm. for an hour and a half. That was great. That night, they advertised it as a healing meeting. I taught them about um, uh, the, the gospel of the kingdom reflected in healing. Then had them pray. At one point, I got up on the platform to look out over this crowd. And I, I estimate there was about 400 people praying for each other. Mm -hmm. So that was great. Um, and in the midst of it, we saw so many healings. Uh, when it was done, I had the people, I said, if you know that you know you were healed tonight, would you stand all over the place? I said, if God used you for the first time tonight to heal somebody, you stand too. And I think 80% of the people were standing. And then this shout went up. So... Those are from the last two weeks, two and a half weeks. It's been good. Awesome. Those are exciting stories. Yeah. I've enjoyed getting to hear stories every day as I'm in the office. There's always another one coming in. Yeah, it's good. So. And, of course, all that Christine is doing right now mm -hmm. in India, uh, in uh, Kenya. In Kenya. Just finished the women's journey on Sunday morning. Sunday night she started the regular journey. Um, they've touched thousands of people, thousands um, 179 women called in when she did that national TV show. There were 12,300 and something called in, but 179 of them were suicidal. Some of them, I think two or three times they said, I've just written a note, suicide note, and then I saw you. So that's wonderful. Uh, 108 people, uh, women working on the streets in prostitution, uh, came to Christ. I don't know the number. The last I heard, I think it was 60-something, come off the streets, are now in housing, getting healed up. And eventually we will get them apprenticed with another rescued woman. They'll uh, they'll learn how to have a business. We'll give them the training, and then we give them loans. That's also in our uh, catalog. It is. That people can, can give a startup loan so a woman can leave the the forced life of prostitution by which is the only way she could feed her kids and all the terrible abuse that goes with that. 
and instead starts completely new. And uh, so those are the things that have been going on, Isaiah. They are. Well, thank you for sharing. You bet. And thank you for answering my questions about the beautiful gospel. My pleasure. It helps me to be able to use the terminology and understand it and be comfortable with it. Very good. Very good. Thanks. Well, thanks for joining the podcast. Thanks for letting me take it over. You've been fun this week.